Blog Talk Radio. Turn this on, woman. What happened, everybody? When you know technology at its best, it's awesome. But when it doesn't work, it just causes little problems. Okay, thanks for staying with us. I see that Cedric is on the line, and I want to do my introduction um, up him so you guys will know. But we'll just tell you instead of me just reading it. But um, <laughs> you can go to his website, and I'll give you that information shortly. Hi, Cedric. Welcome to Angela and McNary Live. Hello. Thank you so much, McNary. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing awesome. What about you? I'm doing fantastic sitting here just walking around in the backyard in the pool, just uh, excited about being able to share on your show with, your, with my friends. That's it. <laughs> you know we're going to have a great show, right, in spite of all these technology issues, because um, when I was on your show, I had so much fun, and I'm talking about the show, L.A. Radio show that Cedric can hosts on Tuesday called Faith, Family, and Prosperity. So you guys have to check that out. Um, you can go on his Facebook page or mine, and you can get that link to that. But um, I just wanted to kind of share your story because I know it is so amazing, and, and it inspired me the first time I heard it. So I wanted to kind of just, you know, introduce you to my audience so that they, too, can be inspired and hear how you how you were able to, um, how actually one day back in 1995 just totally changed your life. So you want to share that with us? Well, you know, first of all, thanks for allowing me to be on the call, and I'm excited. I think the, the biggest compliment anybody can ever give you is their time and attention, so I appreciate you allowing me to give, give me some of your time and attention and the listeners as well. But, you know, I grew up in a very small town on the red end of southwestern Pennsylvania, uh, a population of about 3,000 individuals. Uh, and uh, I came from a coal mining town, you know, blue-collar, blue, blue hardworking. You know, I grew up in an intact family. I was the baby of eight. You know, and, and 
you know, I did exactly what, you know, the cliche was. My parents told me to go to school, get a good education, and, you know, I went to school. I don't know about the good education part of it, but I went to school, and and, uh, and I was an incredible uh, baseball player and football player. I went to Purdue University on a football scholarship and just knew that, you know, I was going to the NFL and had that type of talent, but, you know, obviously God didn't have it that in my plan, and so he took me some different directions. I had a baby at a very young age, at age, age 20, and, uh, after I didn't get drafted in the, in the top rounds of the National Football League, I, I found myself having to go back to Brownsville to live not in my parents' home because my mom wouldn't allow me because I had a small child, but made me go into public housing. And I think that was the biggest, uh, biggest really, springboard that my mother could give me. She was That was the biggest blessing that she passed on to me because she made me take a high-level responsibility for my child at a young age. So I found myself in the projects living on $22 a month on rent, food stamps from WIC. And, you know, I really didn't know where I was going in my life. And then, you know, the, the power of relationships. My phone rang one day uh, back, it was in 1990. My phone rang, and it was a gentleman that, that I knew. Uh, I played ball with his son. And it's amazing how relationships and sports were able to have an incredible correlation to our success. But he picked up the phone and asked me what I was doing in my life. And, I really didn't have an answer for him. He said, "That's not good. You don't have you don't have a direction." He said, "Well, I want you to get on the plane and come to, to Washington D.C. the Virginia Marketplace." And I went there and I sat down with him, and that was my first mentor. His name is Dick Rice. He lives in Great Falls, Virginia, and uh, picked me up from the airport. And my life was forever changed. He got me involved in the telephony industry, wireless industry, back in 1990. And I went there as a as a representative in, in, a, in a retail store called Cellular One back in the day, and I started working myself from a from a sales rep to a store manager to an area manager in about a year. And then about two months after I became an area manager, my phone rang again. And it was Mr. Rice telling me that, you know, I, I put you in that job, help you network and get in that job, not to go work for Cellular One for you for, for you to be a lifetime employee, but I put you there to be able to, to learn the skills that you needed to learn about that industry to go on and do your own business. And I went yeah. on and started telling <laughs> and I went on to went on to start telling him what I didn't have as far as the resources and the money to put a business <laughs> together. And uh that was life changing for me because the next day he told me to come over to his house. I went to his house and it was amazing to me. I'm just American and I pulled up in the driveway, I looked over to the left and you know, the guy's garage was bigger than my whole house. And mm. pulled in there and got out the car and started talking to him. And then he said, you know, I want to introduce you to somebody. And so he, he walked me over to his neighbor. And the, the gentleman answered the door. And I looked at the guy like, that guy looks familiar to me. Well, his neighbor was Steve Case, the CEO of AOL. And uh, so that was really my first interaction with somebody of, you know, that type of magnitude and, and that type of success in their life. And long story short, he was able to help me secure a, a, my first loan at Bank of America uh, for $150,000 on, on my signature, which I had no credit at the time. It was all about his 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 wealth and his belief and passion in, in, in me. And I opened up my first retail store in 1991, and that was in Northern Virginia. And uh, went on to, to put a chain of stores together. But in 1995, you mentioned 1995, I came to a crossroads. And the wireless industry was exploding. Uh, we were one of the first. Uh, minority AT&T uh, master distributors in, in Northern Virginia. 
and, and watching the Eastern Metropolitan area. And uh, I, I got really, we were growing so fast in this area that we were over uh, growing our infrastructure. And what I mean by that is we were selling phones so fast that our cash flow wasn't coming as fast, and I got into a jam financially. So I went to my brother, and I'm sure he's probably listening or will listen to this, but it's just it's the story and it's the truth. <laughs> and I, 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 needed, I needed some money, you know. I needed a loan, and, and uh, he wouldn't do it. I mean, he definitely could have done it. He was a general board executive. His wife was a, a, a federal attorney, a prosecutor, and they, they didn't give me the money. So I went on to, at the time, my mother-in-law, she believed in me, and she loaned me the money, and which was $25,000. I asked him for my brother for $25,000 to get him 49% control of the company. He, he turned it down and got it from my mother-in-law, and she wired it in my account. I went on to put another 15 stores up, so now i got 31 stores. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, let, let's slow down a minute because I have several questions just about that point in your life because I just want people that are listening, I want them to really get what has happened within your life in a, a short span of a few years from not getting drafted, having your whole world just turned upside down. Because I'm sure you were just really, and everybody around you was like, oh, Sandra's going to go to the NFL and it's going to change all our lives. So you don't get drafted, and you also are now a new father with no place to live because your mom was a strong, loving mom who had that tough love for you and told you, look, you can't come here with that baby. you got to be a man now, and you got to stand on your own two feet. So now you have to go to public housing. You're living on 22 your rent is $22. You're living on food stamp and WIC, which is a government-funded program as well. And then one day while you're trying to make it, you get a phone call. Oh, my goodness, that is so encouraging because I know a lot of people are probably right there just, you know, having a tough time. One dream fell through or one door was closed, so they don't know how to respond to it. But they keep going by the grace of God. They just keep going. And then something miraculous happened. You get the phone call. You fly out to Virginia, and you work at this cell phone store. And you get promoted. I'm just saying, see, that story alone, can, we can just hang up. But the story becomes even greater, so we won't hang up. Because <laughs> I want you to now tell us what was happening. Um, then you you ran into some problems. You know, you outgrew your infrastructure, which happens in business. That's another key lesson for people to understand. Never quit. Because if you had quit, you know, when the NFL didn't happen, if you had to quit when you had to go to public housing, had you quit before you got the phone calls, I think all those led up to where you are now. So now you can tell us 1995. You can bring us up to speed now. All right. Well, 1995, uh, I'm living in Jacksonville, Florida. And, uh, you know, like I said, I had to go to my mother-in-law to get the money. She obviously believed in me and still does to this day. And uh, influx the cash into the business, and we go on and put 15 more stores up. So now it's early uh, 1997, and uh, I'm driving down the road in Jacksonville, Florida. My Corvette life is just great. Tops down. I'm on my way to uh, to players, uh, country club, TPC, to do a little bit of golfing. And my phone rings, and it's one executive at AT&T corporate, um, actually in New York, and he says, Cedric, where you at? I said, I'm in Jacksonville. He says, well, what are you doing? I'm driving down the road. He said, well, you got to be here tomorrow morning. Uh, we need to talk. I said, well, I can't make it tomorrow. He said, yeah, it's not optional. I said, well, my, my daughter has a function tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to make it. He said, cancel it. And I was like, well, okay. So that was that conversation. It was all one side. So that stage of the game, I, I got 
that, that night was pretty restless because I didn't really realize, really even know what what that meeting was going to be all about. But previously, back in, two, in 1996, early 96, the AT&T, our brand, we we created what we call one rate, where you pay one rate and no long distance, no roaming, all that. And, and my stores were marquee, marquee stores, so they were out touring all their their, their contractors, all their, their master strippers locations, and they, they were coming out to my stores, and they came out and said, hey, man, your stores look incredible, you know, and it really, Miss Mary, really wasn't even a conversation. It was more of a just, just a, one of those uh, water cooler type thirty second interactions with one of the vice presidents. And he said, yeah, "Have you ever thought about selling these stores?" I was like, "Nah, not really." I mean, I got my heart and soul, blood, everything in this thing. And uh, he said, "What well, if you ever, if you if you thought about it, what would you sell them for?" I said, thirty stores, half million dollars a store." I said, fifteen million, and just kept on walking like that. Mm-hmm. Well. In 1998, when I got the phone call, went there, sat down with them, and he says, uh, do you want the bad news or do you want the good news? And first, I said, well, give me the bad news. He said, do you remember the conversation that you had? And honestly, and I really wasn't a conversation. I don't even, don't even really remember it. It was more of a just passing. And I mm-hmm. said, I don't, I don't remember. He said, well, you talked to some people in our sales and marketing team, and they asked you about liquidating your business. And we can do that today, today only. He said, but the problem is we can't give you $15 million for it, but we'll give you $12.5 million for it. It's to, the deal is today only, today only. you got to come on, and, and there's some caveats to this now. Now, listen to the caveats. Caveats is we're going to give you a million dollars today. We're going to, you know, get with, you know, all the counting people, price water out and come through and make sure my books are tight. But you got to come to work for us as a vice president. you got to stay for two years. We're going to give you $300,000 for that. Marshall will give you, you know, multiple six figures of stock. So I'm twenty I'm twenty eight years old, country boy from a three thousand populated town. The guy that was almost bankrupt in nineteen ninety five. I mean, I pretty much used every ounce of resources I had. Three years later, I'm walking away with, you know, twelve and a half million dollar liquidation. You know, I didn't walk away with that, but walk would have walked away with over seven million in personal liquidity from that sale. A job in corporate making multiple six figures, overseeing you know part of the United States. So, what I'm telling the listeners today on this call is that number one, I believed I was going to become something. I knew I was going to become something. I, I just thought it was going to be in the NFL, but you know God had a different path for me. And I look back on my career, I made a whole lot more money <laughs> in business than I probably would in sports. So, you know, there was just incredible people came in my life. I think the biggest part of the story that I hope that your listeners get from this is that I humbled myself and I listened. I humbled myself and listened to my mom when I probably probably could have went the other directions. The second thing that came in my life was Dick Rice. He came into my life, and I didn't even realize how powerful he was this Mary, but he sold his long-distance company to MCI Worldcom for $600 million. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, never, I never knew who he was. I just knew he was yeah. my friend's dad. But the story behind it is, is just think about that for a second. He sells his business for six hundred million, and he takes a guy, a kid, African American boy. You know, he's wealthy. His son's wealthy. And I asked him one day, "Why did you do this for me?" And you know what he said? What did he say? He said, "You always said yes, sir, and no, sir, to me." And I always looked. At, I always looked at you as I wanted my kids to respect me like you respected me. 
Think about that for a second. Mm. <laughs> so wow. old principles of, of being raised in a in a no sir, yes sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am scenario made me a millionaire. Really, that, that <laughs> statement those work made me a millionaire. Good manners still still will do that in this day and time too. But people don't understand. You never know who you're talking to. So if you do, you know, you be respectable, have good manners and morals. Because I tell people, all, you never know who's on the other end of a phone call. You never know who's in that restaurant watching you. Because when I mentor my girls and my boys, thinking blue eagles, I tell, I share those stories of it happening to other people, and it can happen to anybody. So I'm just, I'm loving your story. I'm loving your story. So, you know, then I learned some other things as well in this journey. You know, one of the things I talk about in my book, I talk about you can't be everything to everybody. And uh, one of the things that was challenged to me is having that kind of wealth and power. You want to favor everybody. You want to help everybody. And you you got to learn how to stay in your lane. And what I mean by that is you got to know who you are. You got to have, you got to be grounded. You got to keep your, your, your priorities straight. And my yeah. priorities were very, very, very straight. My faith, my family, my prosperity, they were in that order. They were in that order. And you know, I had some incredible success in my life beyond that. Then I got involved in non-traditional business and had some tremendous success there as well. From 2000 up into 2008, I was involved in a serious motorcycle accident in Atlanta that almost okay. cost me my life. We have a caller. I want to see if they're just listening or if they actually want to uh, participate in the conversation. And then I want to talk about that motorcycle accident because um, sure. a couple of days ago I saw the um, – it's a really great picture of you with the motorcycle. I was going to ask you about that, so I'm so glad you're going to give me some insights. So we're going to go to the phone line, area code 661-202, to see if they want to join the conversation or if they're just listening. Hi, caller. Are you just listening, or did you want to have a um, a question or a comment? I'm going to take it as they just want to listen, so I'm going to put them back in the queue. Okay, right. so you're getting ready to tell us about what was happening with you, um, um, before you know, if you had the motorcycle accident. Well, you know, when when you when our our Creator, when God gives us some God-given talents, and and uh, you make some covenants, I made some covenants as a young man that. You know, if God would ever help me become wealthy, I would never, ever forget where I got that wealth from and where I got those blessings from and that favor from. Well, as I start becoming more successful in life and in businesses and, you know, some non-traditional businesses, networking and different things like that, I start making multiple multiple six figures a month from home. And I think that I lost focus. I don't think I know. I lost focus from what I was teaching, which was more faith and more family and more prosperity. And it was all about more how many more houses I can buy, how many more bitlies I can buy, how many more watches I can buy, you know. And it got away from, you know, how I was able to have that success through God's grace and the gifts and talents that he was able to, to give me to allow me to be mentored and coached by some of the best in the world at what we do. Mm-hmm. So that actually was the eye-opener for me from a lot of different reasons, a lot of different ways it opened my eyes. Number one is it refocused me to, to, to let me know that, you know, what my mission and my why I'm, what, what my passion, what what I'm here on this earth for. You know, God definitely opened my eyes and got my attention and uh, refocused me because I think I, I let, you know, I, I let those priorities get out of order. And when those priorities got out of order, um, <clears throat> my life got out of order, and that was part of it, the action. So I learned a lot of things from action. Number one, stay humble, stay focused. 
You know, mm-hmm. stay, stay best. You know, don't try to be everything to everybody. And then it taught me patience because I'm not a very patient guy. Still probably not today. I pray for patience every single day, Miss Mary. But when you lay it up <laughs> a couple of years and you really can't do much for yourself, you learn to become a little bit more patient of a person. That's true. And, and I have to add this caveat for you um, because when we pray – for things, and, and this is something I learned the hard way, and then I read about it. You're praying for patience, so of course that's going to create more situations or circumstances for you to use patience. So, and I'm just, I'm just suggesting maybe you know you can ask for what you really want. Is it more patience? Is it more wisdom to understand so that you can make better decisions? Is it more uh, a more loving heart? Because patience, you're going to have to have these situations that make sure that you're more patient. If that makes sense right. to you, it makes sense to me when I got it. So maybe if it doesn't now, it will. So because when you pray for something, that's what you get. You gotta be worked on to have more patience, and and that's the thing that really, really um, stresses patience is to be in those situations. Like Lord, what I really want is more wisdom. <laughs> I want more wisdom. Because <laughs> my patience was being tested all the time. So, uh, and I like what you said when you got out of balance with your putting your perspectives and your priorities, when they were out of balance, that your entire life became out of balance. And that is a key spiritual law, and that, that works for believers and unbelievers. When you're out of balance like that, because, oh, my goodness, that, that's a whole other conversation. I could really go there with that, but I'm just so glad that you recognized um what was happening and you were able to correct it so that you could live more in balance. But you have to be incredible balance in your life, and, and you know, it's, it was the little things, the slight edge, you know, and what I mean by that is doing the simple things over a consistent period of time, like, you know, getting into meditation, doing your scriptures, doing your reading, doing your, you know, going to your Bible studies or, or going to, you know, your, your faith-based functions. And I start slipping away. I start doing functions for business on Sunday. I start not getting on, not doing my daily meditation, got away from my daily devotions, kind of got away from, the, and it was just a little bit at a time. It wasn't all drafted mm-hmm. one time. It was mm-hmm. a little there and there, and it started having that compounding effect. And then, then I started missing weeks of church, months of church. And then I just started, you know, traveling on Sundays and just doing things that I always said that I wouldn't do. And, uh, you know, sometimes in life that, you know, average person can't couldn't put me back on track because I was successful at a high level, and, and uh, but God could put me back on track, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I just love that. And, again, that that's another, a great point to um, end the conversation. But I really don't want to because we have a few more minutes in the show, number one. And, number two, you have so much more to share with us. And, of course, 30 minutes, we can't get it all. So we're doing this high-level um, photo picture of your your life. But tell us about your, your favorite proclamation, your I Will Until, because I think that's also the name of your book that you have out. Can you tell us? what your legacy is and how you were able to help other families get more out of life if they're willing to work harder. Well, I appreciate that. The name of my book is From Broke, Busted, and Disgusted to a Million Dollars a Year. And, you know, we've, started, we've had some incredible success with it. And, you know, God has definitely anointed the book and, and put us in incredible favor. But I will until came up when I was in that project. I'm going to be honest with you. I was looking out the window. They had a sheet up to, to, the, to the window I was in the house with no furniture, a little bit of food in the refrigerator. My kids, my son actually was riding the bike in my living room. He didn't know that we didn't have furniture. He didn't know it wasn't supposed to be like that. And I just started looking out the window. I said, I got to do whatever I got to do 
to get my family out of this situation. And and and, and will and kill popped in my mind. I will continue to do what I got to do to get my family where we need to go. And that's why I came up with the proclamations about will and kill. I'm going to continue to keep sharing the mission of more faith, more family, more prosperity until I leave this earth. And hopefully that the legacy that I poured into enough people will resonate and connect and continue to build that legacy around the world. But I believe our families are, are, are deprived of, of a couple of different areas of their life. Number one, we don't have enough faith. You know, I don't believe anything happens in life unless we have an unshakable faith. We've got to walk out on faith every single day. And then number two, our laws of association, the people we hang out with, the people mm-hmm. we take counsel from can have an incredible uh, uh, impact on the level of success or the level of failure that we have in our life. So I think that in those two areas, I've been really teaching and training and inspiring and motivating people to have incredible faith and watch that inner circle. That inner circle is critical to all of our success because it teaches us to have passion, to have, to have courage, to have confidence, to have belief, and uh, to take action. Or you're around an inner circle that, that tells you to not do those things. Don't take action. Be average. Don't go out and have unshakable faith. Go live life with fear, and uh, you're going to have a fearful outcome, fearful results. Mm, that is so deep because that's true, and I've read several books, and I have to get your book and read it too because we are, what's the saying, we're like the five people, the- five people we hang out with the most. So if you're hanging out with people who, and you know, that are pulling from you all the time, then you will, you will start pulling from other people. If you're around people who are making things happen, who, as you say, have unshakable faith, who are uh, encouragers and, and very inspiration, then you become more like that. So think of your five people that you hang out with the most. If you want to know who you are, look at those five people, and you are like those five that you hang out with. So right. I always tell people, always have people who are who you have more than, who you are smarter than in your circle, and then also have people who are smarter than you, have way more than you, have more experiences in the area of, you, you know, like some people want success, some people want more faith. Then find somebody who you can look up to, whether they are somebody on TV that you may never be able to talk to, but you can just watch their lives, you can read their books, you can see what's going on with them and then patterning yourself not to be exactly like that person. You never want to be exactly like somebody because you can only do you, but you can use some of those strengths to help create and improve your own strengths. So I really like how you say that, and um, it's obvious that you were always around people, whether they were you know far away from you, around you, or close to your inner circle, who help guide you to get you where you are today, and the fact that you give them um, their flowers while they're alive and they can hear that, that means a lot. Well, you know, one of the things that I learned a long time ago, Mrs. Mary, is that, you know, when you're successful, you can only, you got to have some successors, and, you know, no one gets to, to a level of success without other people impacting their life. And, you know, like you said, you're giving their flowers while they're living, and, you know, the biggest compliment to to the people that have impacted me is for me to go out and let people know who have impacted me. And it's, I've said I would never, ever forget where I came from. And some people do. They forget where they came from. And, and knowing where you came from is, is is a motivation so you don't go back there. And it's not physically being there. It's a psychological being there, being in the mindset of, of, of poverty. Because I believe that prosperity is not tangible. It's intangible. It's how you think. It's how you believe. It's it's what you what you become in the process, and you know we're on this journey, and we're going down this avenue right now, and you know right now the roads are not paved. You know we're going through the jungle, and the jungle out here is society, and we gotta have 
thin skin from some very, very thin, sorry, thick skins. Uh, like one of my mentors, Jerry Clark, says, you got to have skin of a rhino because it's tough out there, tough times, and you know, but tough people, they make it happen, they get through it. So I'm excited about being on your show. <laughs> okay, tell people how they can find you, how they can listen to your radio show, and, and what that's about. We have a couple of minutes left for that. Well, well, I appreciate that. First of all, you can go out to my website, which is my name, www.cedricpenn.com. They can go there and, and uh, you know, get 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 information. I have an iPhone and Android application on the phone. You can download on your iPhone and um, your iPhone and Android device. Also, in iTunes, I have a Prosperity Mindset podcast you can subscribe to. We do a call every single morning at 10 o'clock Eastern and 7 a.m. Pacific. It's a quick, high-impact, 10-minute call to, to get our heads and our hearts right in a prosperous mindset to go out there and do business and do life. We do that every single every single morning. Um, and all that's on the website. But I'm excited. I'm humbled to be where I'm at today. and I'm glad and, and, and really excited that you would think enough of me to have me on your show. Oh, my goodness. I'm thinking about having you on the show again. So I will definitely be contacting you and definitely stay in contact with you because I really um, think you're an inspiration. You inspire me, Cedric, first of all. Personally, your story inspires me, and I know will inspire millions and millions of others. And so, you know, the more we can um, share your story. And when you were talking about, you know, your son being in that apartment and riding his bike not knowing that it wasn't, the norm, quote unquote. I was picturing your story being told like pursuit of happiness. That's exactly the vision that I was seeing as you were sharing your story about your son being in that living room. Your story needs to be told, Cedric, in a big way. Wow. It needs to be told on the big screen. Well, I appreciate that. It's, you know, I, I'm just gonna go where I'm led these days. I made a lot of mistakes in my life going where I thought I should go instead of going where I'm led. So this time around, the second chance after the accident, I'm going to go where I'm led. I'm, I'm going to continue to bring people to the kingdom instead of away from the kingdom. And I'm going to use you know, the, the God using me as a vessel how he sees how he be used. So I'm excited. Appreciate you allowing me on on this, your show. And, and uh, your, to your listeners, I hope that every every week they're, they're tuning into your show because they're getting some incredible information. You know, I've been around uh, you for a while, and I've watched you from from afar, and you, you add value in people's lives. All they gotta do is get on here, take take notes, and take action on what you're teaching and sharing on on the, on the show every single week. Oh, that's beautiful! Thank you, and your show too as well on Tuesdays. People, please tune in. Um, you can find all that information on the website. But Cedric, thank you so much. You have um, really inspired me again today. I appreciate you taking the time, and I like what you said about. Um, flattery how if you spend time with somebody that means a lot to you and attention that means a lot to me too so thanks and I know big things are coming in your future even bigger than what has you've experienced thus far thank you so much for being my guest thank you all so much for listening to Loretta McNary Live Presents as always think positive dream big dreams help someone along the way and we'll see you very soon bye bye everybody